Hi everybody, Mike Wardrop from Encounter Church here and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. Tonight I have the privilege of talking about storge love. Now, storge love, it sounds confusing, um, but it's not, and I'll try and, uh, try and give you a little bit of a, a lesson on storge love today as I've had this week. So storge is simply a kind of affectionate love. It's the kind of love that a mother has for a child or a father has for his child. It's the kind of love that uh, siblings have for each other, and um, it's the kind of love that, well, it's a little bit rare in teenage years, but that children have for their parents. So I'm just coming into teenage years, so I'm going to teach Grace about storge love right now. So um, it's funny, actually, I was thinking when I was writing this sermon that I didn't realise how much I loved my mum until I had my own kids, and I could appreciate uh, what that kind of love is like. And today, um, we're going to call storge love affectionate love. And I think that just helps us understand a little bit. C.S. Lewis, in his book, um, calls it that. And I think it just gives us a good grasp and a good understanding of, of what it is. Rather, so I may say storge, but I might say affectionate love. They both mean the same thing. So I come from a family of four girls, uh, and I have a mum and dad. Obviously, we all have a mum and dad. Um, or we had one at one point. Um, I think my parents were hoping for a boy on the fourth time, but they had a girl, and then they were like, four girls is more than enough, am I right, Cara and Tex? Yeah, they've had three, and they're like, that's enough. Um, but we had four, so we lived in an extremely loud house. So you know, you all, most of you know me, and I'm extremely loud, and so are my other, at least two out of the three sisters. So, and I think the third one became just as loud just so she could get hurt. So it's an extremely loud house, and Dad used to joke around that he would... Uh, he couldn't hear us, so he would just like pretend not to hear. And in his old age, he actually, um, older age, if you did, in case he listens to this, um, he started to lose his hearing. And he said it was like a miracle. He had these hearing aids, he could just turn off. And he couldn't hear any of us, and it was amazing. So that was my house. It was, it was wonderful. And it was, it was full of energy. And it was, I'm blessed. It was full of love. But um, I, uh, my, I used to talk to my parents about, Love and boys, especially my dad, actually. I, I had a really great relationship with my dad. And, um, and one, one thing my parents used to do, though, which I have learned from, but uh, they used to stand in the kitchen and kiss on tippy toes with each other. And we as children just used to be, like, so grossed out by it. So I learned a lot from that. And now I definitely do it in front of Charlie and Grace, in particular, just to make them feel squirming. It's fantastic. Um, it's so nice that the power you have as a parent, I mean, use it wisely, everyone, parents, use it really wisely. Um, so my, my family, uh, my childhood wasn't without struggles, but I knew that my mum and dad loved me. My dad used to give amazing bear hugs, he used to play with us, he used to chase us around the house. Um, I knew that my mum and dad knew this kind of love that we're talking about tonight. And having four sisters, I also knew this kind of love in the sibling sense. I'm really lucky that although we used to fight like there was no tomorrow when we were kids, we've grown up as adults to be really good friends. Um, and I had this, um, well, I don't know, protect, I, I'd call it storge love now that I understand it, um, but just a love that I wanted to protect 
my siblings, my sisters, uh, to the point that one day, one, some boys were teasing my little sister, so my older sister and I, we went up and we sorted them out. Like, totally, not physically, because we were totally tiny, but with words. We sorted them out with words, everybody, because that is how we do it. But we, when you get this sibling kind of love, it's a protective kind of love. There's a photo that's going to jump up behind me, and this is a photo of Grace and Charlie. Oh, aren't they adorable? Yeah, they're super cute. Um, they still are super cute. Um, so this photo, I love this photo, because if you look there, and it, um, so if you look at her eyes there, she has her arms wrapped around Charlie, and she is like, do not mess with my little brother. I will take you down. And I think right there, she didn't even know she's a couple three or four or something like that there. Um, she didn't even know, but she had that storge love inbuilt into her. And I just love that photo. I think that's super cute too. So storge can best be explained like this. Think of your sisters, right? Okay, let's say there's, we've got, for those of you who have sisters, or even your brothers. You grow up under the same house. You eat at the same table. You, you share maybe a room perhaps. You definitely share toys. And if you're sisters, you definitely share clothes. You grow up in the same school, in the same neighborhood, around the same friends. You grow up knowing each other so, so well. C.S. Lewis says you can't have storge love, you almost can't have it without the word old in front of it. It's a love, it's a familiar love that you get when you know someone so, so well. Maybe you grew up knowing your mum and dad loved you, or perhaps you didn't feel that. I would say that we all need this kind of love in our lives. And tonight, I want to dive into Scripture uh, and teach us about how uh, we can see in our lives the different storge loves that come out of Scripture. We all need to understand it because it actually makes up much of our lives. So I want to tell you about the story of Joseph. Beautiful story in the Bible. Joseph was the son of Jacob. You can find this in, in Genesis, I think, around 34. Um, Jacob had a few wives, and he had uh, many kids. So I think about 12 or something, if I'm correct. Um, but Joseph was one of the sons of Jacob. And uh, Joseph loved Jacob. Absolutely loved... Uh, sorry, Jason, sorry jo uh, Jacob loved Joseph. Absolutely loved him. And he actually loved him so much he gave him this special coat. For some of you who may not know the story, you might have heard the musical, uh, Joseph and the, and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. But he, he loved him so much, he trusted him so much, he showed this kind of, uh, the storge love that we're, we're talking about tonight. Now he loved his other children as well, but you can really see it in this story in particular. He loved him so much that he actually, uh, he sent him out to spy on his brothers. So he got him to do jobs for him, different things that he needed done, because he trusted him. So um, Joseph went out to spy on his brothers, which is always a good thing. Um, and that was a joke. Um, and, <laughs> and he went out one day to spy on his brothers. And he's walking up there, and his brothers see him coming. Now, some of you might know this story. I have spoken about it once before. And as, as, as they're walking, as he's walking up, his brothers turn to each other and they say, we don't like this guy. We've got to get rid of him. Let's kill him. Not great brotherly love right there. But thankfully, one of his brothers does have that storge love for his, for his other brother. And Reuben, his brother, says, no, 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 let's not kill him. Let's just put him in a well. We assume that he was going to come back and get him later. 
So his brothers go, yeah, okay, that does make a bit more sense. Let's put him in a well. So he, he puts him in a well, and, um, and then he's there for a little while, and then the brothers see some uh, merchants coming along, and he decides, they decide that they're going to sell him, because, I mean, why kill someone when you can sell them and make money, right? So they do that. And um, he gets sold to, um, to someone, and he goes out, and, and, you know, can you just imagine that? Your own brother's selling you. Amazing. <sighs> Not in a good way. Not in a good way. And... Um, <laughs> He gets sold. Anyway, I'm going to keep going, pushing on. And, and, he's, and he's, he gets sold, into, and the, eventually what happens is he finds favour with his boss. It's great. Things are going really well. And then the boss's wife accuses him of something horrible, which he doesn't do, and he gets put in prison. I'm cutting this story really short because otherwise we'd be here for hours. And if you just imagine that all of a sudden, you have been the favourite. You've been the one that's been doted upon. You've been given everything you want. And all of a sudden, you've gone from this to being in prison, being nobody, being sold into slavery. Because essentially, once you're a slave and then put in prison, you're almost forgotten about. I don't know how he felt about his brothers in that moment. We do later on. I'll tell you a bit of a story about how he felt later on. But while he's in that position, he's in, he's in there and... Um, He's in prison, and, he, and he's, some of his, his, his mates in prison have a dream, and he interprets that, which is great. And then years later, Pharaoh has a dream, and he interprets Pharaoh's dream. Now, this is a really good thing. Pharaoh gets excited. Pharaoh loves him and lifts him up. And, he, and because of his dream, he actually becomes second in charge, right? So now he's gone back up to being one of the favorites, which must feel pretty great. And he spends the next few years storing grain, and his job then was to uh, work out who was going to have all this grain that they'd stored up over the last few years, because there was a big famine in Egypt, and people had no food. And so eventually, his brother's family run out of food, and so they have to come to Egypt and ask Joseph for this food. Now, they come up, and they, and they, they go to him, and he's standing there, and they don't recognize him. So in a long time, and probably you maybe don't expect him to be in, in, in these mighty robes and, um, and standing up in front of them. And, and they, they come and they kneel down and they say, we want some food, we need, or we need some food. And he says, you're spies. It's a great, good start here. Good, good reconciliation. It's going well. And um, what he does is he, 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 he sees his brothers, actually, and his heart's broken towards them. But he knows that he actually he needs, he needs them to understand how much he loves them. So he sends them back home and he says, I, don't, I want you to come back and bring your brother. I'm going to keep one of your brothers here, just for collateral damage, and you're going to bring your other little brother back to me. So Joseph had one uh, full blood brother, let's say, and his name was Benjamin. And so he asked for them to bring back Benjamin. So they go home and um, their dad doesn't like the idea of sending Benjamin with them, but he does eventually and they come back. And I want to pick up the story then. This is in the moment in Genesis 43, verse 29, where it says he first sees his younger brother. As he looked about and he saw his brother Benjamin, his own mother's son, he asked, is this your younger brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God, be gracious to you, my son. Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurries out and looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and he wept there. When Joseph sees his younger brother, his only full-blood brother, he breaks down in tears because of how much he loves him. His heart is so full 
and probably so overwhelmed that he can't even handle it. That's how much love he has in him for his brother. And when he tells his brother finally who he is, his brother, they, 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 they hug and they're just, the, the love is overwhelming to the point that in the scriptures it says that he just couldn't stop hugging him for ages. I think that's beautiful. Essentially, his, um, his storge love that he's had for his brother was so overwhelming. It was absolutely beautiful. And then after that, he goes back and oh, those bo- the brothers go back and they tell his, his father that he's alive. Can you imagine thinking your son had died for someone to come back years later and say your son is alive? And so his dad, as you can imagine, is so full of joy, so full of just love for his son that he actually uses the words that I can go and die once I've seen my son. Like, that is enough. That's how big Storge love is, you know, to the point that he's like, you know what, my life is complete when I get to see my son. It's an absolutely beautiful story of Storge love. And it's really important that we understand this love because we all actually crave this love. To be loved this way is natural and it's actually expected by everyone. It's love where even the unlovable are loved. It doesn't always make sense, and I know some parents kind of wish they could turn it on or off, especially when uh, kids run away or or do drugs or things like that where it really hurts, but you you can't just turn off storge love. Affectionate love, as C.S. Lewis puts it, can easily become jealous when there is change. Change is the enemy of affection love. When you get two brothers or sisters, like I said before, growing up together, they're so in tune and so in sync with each other. But then one day, one of them grows up a bit and falls in love with someone else or decides they're they're going down the path of science. Or perhaps they find faith. For storge love, sometimes that love can be so strong, jealousy creeps in. And it's hard. You want to pull that person back towards you, back to the things that were comfortable, back to the things that you knew. But sometimes parents will not know how to show this love. And I think sometimes some of us, we've had parents who haven't understood how to express storge love. And so perhaps they've felt that feeling that we have when we have a child but they haven't known or maybe they haven't been taught how to show that love. And so it comes out in in actually quite a negative way. And it's not excusing that kind of behavior. But it is telling you that storge love is so strong that we need to understand the ways in which to uh, tell people about it, the ways in which to action storge love. Because otherwise it can become a really negative thing. It can become something that you want to hold in, hold that person in. And when they do something that you don't like or they, do, or they, they find Jesus and they, and they suddenly are going to church and have a family you know, outside of your family, and you can love both, by the way, um, they can find that really hard. And I don't know if there's people in this, in this building that have had that experience. It's a really tricky thing. But to understand it comes from a place of them wanting to love you and not understanding. The Bible tells us, that we should love our fellow Christians, Christians with affectionate love. John 15, 12, my command is this, love one another as I have loved you. 
Romans 13, 8 says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another is fulfilled by the law. And Ephesians 4, 2, which this is beautiful. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. We are a part of a church that I am really proud to tell you that one of our core values, as Jess said before, is people. And it's not just our people, it's all people. And I love that. In this church, we want people to come into this building, into this family, and to experience love. The love that comes from being a part of a family. As you can imagine, you can't love everybody in the storge kind of love. But you can try and show this, this kind of affectionate love to everyone. Actually, we're commanded to do that. In Romans 12, 9 and 10, it says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honour one another above yourselves. Now, storge, the word storge is not actually in Scripture on its own, um, but it is in, in this Romans 10, it's as a compound version of it. And um, so the word translated love here is storgos. Did I completely butcher that? People who have a degree in... No, there's no one here? Awesome. Um, so it's putting together philos and storge. And it means loving dearly, being devoted, being very affectionate, loving in a way that shows the characteristics of the relationships between husband and wife, mother and child, father and son, etc. If there's anywhere in the world where we need to be loving each other like that, it's here, right in this place. God has already done everything for us. He loves us so much to the point that he gave everything for us. But I'm going to leave that for Steph Ty to unpack next week. No matter how much we hurt God, he keeps coming back again and again and again. He comes back to us as, he's, as our father. So how can we receive storge love and how can we develop it for others? Firstly, storge love is, is mostly natural, but it is, it is also forged. Just like with the sisters before, when you do life so closely together with people, it happens. When you meet the love of your life, it normally starts off with eros love. But after a while, it becomes and develops storge love. And as a marriage goes on, you become so familiar with each other that storge love becomes really strong and you actually have to work more at the eros side of love in your relationships. But you must be willing to give a part of your life to someone if you want this kind of a relationship, if you want a storge kind of relationship, if you want that affectionate friendship, then you need to be willing to give a part of yourselves to that person. You have to know somebody. So perhaps you don't feel like you have experienced this like you should have from your parents, but can I encourage you to notice that there is storge love in your life? Perhaps... You haven't seen it, but perhaps you haven't been looking for it. And it is something that, to be honest, most of us don't really think about much. But perhaps you do need to start to grow the storge love around you. 
to get to know somebody in a, in a platonic relationship and let storge grow over time, you must be willing to put in the time and the effort and the part of yourself that it is to develop that kind of relationship. My sisters and I have that kind of relationship because we grew up together and we knew each other, but now as adults we regularly catch up, we reg regularly talk with each other. This kind of love takes time to grow and for most times you won't be able to actually pinpoint a time when it, when it actually turned into that kind of love. It's quite amazing. When you start to think about the storge relationships in your life, it's, it's hard to pinpoint when it turned into storge love, when that deep, affectionate love really started. When my, mate, my best mate passed away earlier on this year, it wasn't until weeks and weeks later did I realise that the reason I missed her so much was because we had that storge love, that love that was built up over years. I missed being able to call her at any time of the day or night, or her call me. I miss the way she could make fun of me and I could make fun of her English act, uh, Australian slang in her English accents. It wasn't the feeling of her, no, it was the actions that went along with her being my friend, my friend of many years. Storge love isn't just a feeling, it's an action. And it must be met with action. In the same way a mother feeds a newborn to keep it alive because of her love. We must feed our relationships to keep them alive. Storge love is beautiful and it should be cherished. Moms and dads, cherish your kids. Kids, cherish your parents. Brothers and sisters, love your siblings and show that you love them with your time, your energy and your words. Ephesians 6 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instructions of the Lord. So children, part of the way we show storge love to our parents is by obedience. It's a part of, of, of that love. Fathers and mothers, I'm going to add mothers in there, do not frustrate your children. We are called to express storge love in the way we treat our children. But storge is mostly shown to us in how God is the ultimate father. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 18 says, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Do you know this, this verse is actually a quote from lots of different places in the Bible. So 2 Samuel 7, 14, Isaiah 43, 6, 49, 22, Hosea 1 and Matthew, uh, and Matthew 5, verse 9, all talks about how we are the sons and daughters of the Lord Almighty. And God doesn't put something in Scripture that many times unless he needs us to grasp that. And I think tonight he needs you to grasp that he is your father and you are sons and daughters says the Lord Almighty. When, when a mother has a child, that mother wants to feed her child. She wants to keep it alive. And she knows that she needs to feed him. But the child also needs the mother to feed him. We are like that baby and God is like that mother. He wants to feed us, to restore us, and to love us. And we, in turn, need to be fed. 
We need to be loved and we need to be restored. In the Bible, we see how God keeps providing for his people. He kept providing until he, until he provided the ultimate. But he provides for the Israelites in the desert. He provides food for them over and over and over and over again. No matter how many times they walked away, he still provided for them. No matter how many times they got cross at him, he still provided for them because he is the ultimate father. God provides for us in so many ways, yet we still keep looking for this world to fulfill us. We look for it in things like work, in sex, in drugs, in alcohol, in friendships. But for some reason, we are not willing to see that God is providing more for us, more than our workplace, more than drugs and sex and alcohol, and, and even godly friendships can give us. God gives us more than we actually need. The difference is that sometimes we have to give up something to live free. And for many of us, we don't want to do that. The idea of giving up something to receive what God has given us just seems a little bit hard. A child is offered the milk but a child doesn't have to drink it. We are offered the love and forgiveness of God, but we don't have to accept it. We can't, though, say that God is not providing for us if we're not willing to take what he is offering. He will not force this on you, okay? But he freely gives it. His heart is to love you. Now, if you feel like you have missed out on storge love in your life, let me tell you that if you know Jesus, you haven't. There is no one who loves us like God loves us. There is no one who would give anything and everything for a chance at an eternal, an eternal relationship with you or I. Steph will talk about a bit more about that again next, this, next week. But today I think God wants you to know that he is the ultimate father. So if you don't do know Jesus today, then you're a part of a bigger family where the head is God and we are the children. You are adopted into the family of God. We can love each other like siblings and let ourselves be loved by the parent. I think there is just something really simple that I felt the Lord lay on my heart this week. That there is somebody out here that just needs to be reminded that you are loved by God. You are loved by the Heavenly Father. And if you get nothing else out of that, I pray that you hear that. Whoever needs to hear that, I just pray that you hear that. But we, we need to learn to live loved. When we live like this, we are changed. When we live out, live out of knowing, we are secure in God. We live being able to love, not worrying about being hurt. And it's not because we won't be hurt, but we know that God will bring us through, that God never leaves us there. We live in a lonely world, but we don't have to live lonely. We can choose today to join the family of God, 
And we as a church, we can really welcome people into our family and treat them like that. Let's treat others with that brotherly love that Mike talked about last week. And let's grow that storge love that we can have for others with that true affection. So what does this mean for us? I hope that we're known in Adelaide as a church that asks people, how are you really going? I hope that we're known in Adelaide as a, as a church that welcomes anybody into the family of Christ. So maybe for you, it simply means that you need to build on the love that you already have with your family. Maybe it's needing to build on that love that's already there with your friends. And for some of us, or a lot of us probably, maybe it's building on that love that's already there with our God. Tonight, I want you to walk away, making a decision that you're going to build on the love that you have with God mostly, but also how you can grow that love here at Encounter. We have things like life groups because we want you guys to go deeper with each other. We have things like heart and soul because we want you to grow deeper with God. And we have things like church because we want you to know that you can come into this family, that you are welcome here, that you can belong here. But maybe, maybe simply God wants to meet you in the quiet place. Maybe God wants to meet you in church with your arms raised high. Maybe he wants to meet you in that chair that you've got at home where you sit with your Bible open. Maybe he wants to meet you as you're driving along, talking with him. I have a friend who talks to God when she's driving along and the things that she hears is unbelievable. (laughs) He really does speak to her there. We're teaching on relationships in November because they matter, guys. They really matter. We all need relationships. And if you don't feel like you have good relationships, can I I encourage you, start with Jesus. Start with that relationship and ask him to guide you to the people that will become your people. To those who can love you in the same way that you are loved by Jesus. More than a friend, more like a brother. For many of us, though, we've been running from God simply because we know that expecting the provision from him means turning and trusting that he is the good father and possibly letting go of something else. Now, I can't tell you what that something is, but if that's you, you know what it is. But Matthew says, in the book of Matthew, he says, What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? God has never let me down. Never, ever, ever. And the more I trust in him, the more I feel peace, even in the middle of chaos. It's not that the the, the world stops when we give our life to Jesus and everything goes okay. No, when we give our lives to Jesus, things don't just magically, everything doesn't magically fix itself. But when we follow God, we're given a relationship with him. We're supported by him. We're loved by him. We're given peace in the middle of chaos. 
It's funny, um, most of Jesus's most of Jesus' disciples actually died horrible deaths. They reckon from the, it's not in the, in the scriptures, but in the history books, you can look up most of them. And um, some, they're not sure whether they were beheaded or hung upside down or, you know, one of them was. But a lot of them died horrible deaths. And now I know a lot of us sitting here would think that's not fair. Those guys gave their lives to serve Jesus, and that's exactly right. They gave their lives to serve Jesus because they made a decision that they were going to follow Jesus because eternity mattered more to them. That the kingdom of God mattered more to them than their own security here on earth. True peace doesn't come with worldly security or love from this earth. It comes from knowing that God is your father. He is your peace. He loves you. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We'd love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.